Now, Nevada Real Estate Radio. You'll never go wrong when you get your advice from real estate professionals that you know, like, and trust. Here is your host, Peter Padilla. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Nevada Real Estate Radio. With me in the studio today, I have two outstanding guests joining us to talk about something that's unusual in the world of real estate, exotic animals. There's a big real estate deal that is in the process all the time and that has been in the works for some time, but it is not too far from the north central of Reno. I'm talking about the Sierra Nevada Zoological Park. With us to talk about the park and how the real estate deal works when it involves exotic animals, joining us today, Steve Higgs, one of the directors at the Sierra Zoological Park. Later on the show, we're joined by Sean McDonald, hard money lender at Socotra Capital. Sean has the answers. If you're looking to close a deal quickly, he'll join us later on the show. And our expert in the studio, Sherry Hill from Sage International. She'll be joining us for some business insight after this quick message. If you want the best tax and legal secrets used by successful real estate investors today, contact Sherry Hill the Wealth Protection Diva at Sage International Incorporated, a local company that's been helping new as well as seasoned real estate investors for over 20 years protect their hard-earned wealth today. To schedule a free 30-minute consultation with Sherry, call 775-786-5515. That's 775-786-5515 to strategize with the Wealth Protection Diva today. Call Sage International the most productive hour of your week. Here is your host, Peter Padilla. We're back on our radio show. Thanks for tuning in. You're going to be glad you did today if you love animals. And when I first heard about this guest that I'm going to introduce in just a minute, the first thing I thought about was rescue. Rescue animals. Everybody talks about rescue animals, and I typically think of dogs and cats, right? They're like mass-produced. There's so many of them. They're everywhere. Dogs, dogs, cats, cats. But there are other animals right here in northern Nevada that are rescue animals. And maybe you want to find a way to share your love with animals besides dogs and cats in the rescue world. Joining us in the studio today, Steve Higgs, director at Sierra Zoological Park. Steve, I'm glad that you're here. I had a chance to meet you in two ways. One was with our friend Lee Adams. He uh, gave us our contact information. And then you were recently talking to Sherry Hill from Sage International on her radio show, The Sherry Hill Show. I was so excited when I was hearing it as it was being produced. I got to thinking, you know, I'd love to be in on that conversation, but they didn't invite me. So I'm inviting both of you to my radio show today. Sherry Hill from Sage International, welcome to our show. Isn't it fun to think about exotic animals, um, you know, because you rarely get to see them. Unless you travel around the world like my friend Linda, you don't get to see them up close and experience the environment that they live in, the sights, the sounds, the smells. Exotic animals. I'm fascinated. And I'm fascinated to know from your radio show, Sherry, that exotic animals are right here in northern Nevada. That's how you got Steve on to your show monkeys and porcupines and a lot of animals that most of us will typically never see in our lifetime yet we could if we just did uh, 15 minutes up the highway three 395 up there off the left is the sierra zoo 
Yeah, right off Red Rock. Yeah. So, Steve, tell us about it. Tell us, for the people that don't know about this park, what is there just in the north part of Reno? Hey, we have a little bit of everything as far as exotic. We have Barbary lions, which virtually have not been in the wild since 1920. That was the last time one was documented. And we also have our Siberian tigers, which are really on the red list, which means they're almost at an extinct level, as well as the Barbaries. And then we have quite a few other types of tigers. Plus, we've got baboons. We have hyenas. We have leopards. We've got all kinds of other types of monkeys, um, all, time, all kinds of different small cats like servals, bobcats, uh, Canadian lynx, and quite a few others that are just really incredible animals to see. Well, you know, that I, I have driven by. I have seen the signs, but I'm always trucking north or trucking back from the north. And I want to go out there, but my good friend Lee Adams told me about the park, and he said it is fascinating. And uh, one of the contrasts of the park here in Reno from perhaps zoos all across the country, I understand the rescue element comes to play. So talk to us about that. Yes, a good majority of our animals have been rescued. A lot of them come from situations like the mother who may not have had enough milk, and so the options were, one, to euthanize the babies or two to find somebody that can bottle feed them and raise them up to a point where they could be able to live on their own. And a lot of the other animals are animals that people have bought off the black market or have found uh, through internet and bought them even though it was illegal and then end up going and losing them or letting them loose because of the fact they figured out they couldn't take care of them properly. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we come in. We virtually let people know if there's anything out there that's exotic, we will gladly come and get it, and we'll be able to make it a forever home. I know what you're saying. There are people all across the country. I lived in Arizona for a long time, and people were big into the reptiles, you know? And sometimes they move out of that area. They come to Reno, and they bring their snake with them. And it just doesn't work out here. And I know for a fact that people abandon those kinds of animals. So it's good that you take those rescues in the world. But let me ask you, what about other zoos that have problems? Or, you know, how do you get a cat? How do you get a big leopard like you have out there? It's kind of one of the tricky things. Now that they've got all these federal laws that have been enacted, a lot of people are stepping back and away from the possibility of owning or having any of these animals. Mm -hmm. uh, when you mentioned reptiles, one of the most common calls we get as far as reptiles is a parent whose son has gone away to college and mom has to take care of this big 12-foot Burmese python or reticulated python or a varied other kinds of reptiles. And she calls us up and pleads to us, would you please come and take this animal away from us because mm -hmm. I have no interest in it. We had one lady that would just take food and open the door and throw it into where the snake was just because she didn't want to have anything to do with it. And you can imagine when we went there what it smelled like was pretty bad, and the snake wasn't too happy. So uh, that and just on the reptiles, on the exotics, we, like I said, we find a lot of people that have ended up with them for various reasons, all because they, probably because they're babies and they're so cute when they're babies. And the problem is that at that point, they really, most of them have never really studied up on what that meant to take care of them properly. And so in a lot of cases, some of the animals that we did get were in really bad shape and needed a lot of help. And fortunately, 
after 46 years of doing this, we were able to pull a lot of them from the brink of death into a really good situation. Yes, and, and I, I just wanted to clarify for my own or my own questioning, and I'm sure the listeners as well, is that you're not actively out there purchasing animals to bring to the park. I don't know. I, I would imagine. You're, are you buying animals to bring out there, or they these people are that bring the animals? Are they truly rescue animals? No, we we do not go out and purchase animals. It's kind of a trade that we try and push away from, and also one that uh, ends up allowing people that are on the black market to continue with it. And so we really push hard on just the fact of finding people that have animals or places that have animals, even zoos, yeah. that no longer can take care of a certain animal because they're over understaffed yeah. and they don't have the people that have the qualifications to actually raise a baby. Steve Higgs, director at the Sierra Zoological Park, is my guest. He's talking to us about their welcome refuge for exotic animals right here in northern Nevada. You can actually go visit the park. Correct. And tell us just a little bit about if somebody wants to visit the park, best direction you could give them to the park. We're at 10200 North Virginia, and we're like right off Red Rock and 395. You go north on 395, you take the Red Rock exit just before you get to Cold Springs, but down that exit, you turn left to go under the interstate, correct? Correct. And then you just take a left onto Virginia and go up about... Oh, half a mile, we're on the right-hand side. So can you actually hear some sounds um, from the interstate of the zoo when you drive by? When the when the lions are roaring, yes. Yeah. Uh, they. It has been known, and I mean, we've had, we've had people call us uh, and say, well, a police officer would call us and say, we just had a lady call us and say that she heard a lion, yeah. and she was afraid it was in her backyard. The reality <laughs> is you can hear those lions roar five miles away. So it's it really gets people's uh, pulse going really rapidly when they hear something like that real close. You know, I'm relieved because every time I drove through that part of northern Reno, I always thought my stomach was growling and I was hungry. <laughs> hey, no, it was one of our cats for sure. Probably the cat was hungry is what's going on. Yes. Sherry Hill is with us in the studio. Sherry, have you been out to the park yet? Oh, I have uh, many times way back when because I used to live out off of Red Rock. So it was a fun adventure to take my daughter and just really a a great experience. It's an absolute family experience and what a wonderful way to spend a day. Well, you know, when we talk about real estate in northern Nevada, a lot of times I weave into happenings that are going on in town or what you can do. Like I'm a beekeeper and I do these things. You know, I really hadn't thought about the fact that I could see exotic animals if I'm living here in northern Nevada. So I am going to go there as soon as I can, as soon as the weather lets up a little bit and I'm not walking on snow. But it's going to be something new, and we're always looking for something new and something different to do. I'm not a big fan of the zoo world, Steve and Sherry. I don't like to see animals in cages, animals imprisoned. I think animals should be wild and free. Same as me. I put them on my level, wild and free. There are instances I know where we have to domesticate animals, And I know some people need companion animals, truly need them. But when you're talking about rescue animals, these are truly animals that have nowhere else to go. I mean, who else is going to take a big bobcat or a big lion or a big tiger? Nobody else is. And in the future, I don't know whether your services, the park, will it exist even if people would truly stop bringing in exotic animals that they cannot care for? A lot of people come in and they, they, they really see how well the animals look. They're totally in a groomed shape. They've got plenty of weight. They're real happy. Um, people say, well, 
they need to run. They need to, to have all this exercise. Well, we have many times taken out our lions and our tigers and walked them, what we would call a walk. And usually what happens is they'll go about 10 feet and they'll hit the ground. And they'll say, what is this? We don't, we don't want to do this. When they're in the wild, if there was any wild left, which there isn't anymore, uh, they would be hunting. And that's where all the running and exercise would come from. Mm-hmm. But since they're taken care of, they're given vitamins and really good enriched food and everything else. Now they don't have to do all that. So now they're content with just laying around, kicking back in their big enclosures and enjoying the time they have. Uh, and again, people say, well, they need to be out in the wild. Well, theoretically, there's no wild anymore. Because of the farmers taking over a lot of the land to do their farming and because of all the people coming in and cutting down all the trees for the lumber and because of poachers, uh, a good majority of the animals that are now with us, if they were in the wild, as they say, then they would have been already hunted down and, and there would be none left. Steve Higgs from Sierra Zoological Park is with us, also Sherry Hill. We're going to talk about the real estate deal that is taking place, took place. How do you deal with a transaction that involves exotic animals? Maybe some of the deals happen because of exotic animals. We'll be right back. A gratifying career as a CSA Head Start teacher or early Head Start teacher is your chance of a lifetime. Hello, I'm Yvette Clark, and I've been in northern Nevada for over 50 years, and I've worked at CSA for one year. We do a family restaurant-style eating at Early Head Start, and the kids try all new foods. We would love to have you join us. Give us a call if you're interested, 775-786-6023. Your Nevada Real Estate Questions with answers from Peter Padilla. Welcome back to Nevada Real Estate Radio. We have talked about a really fun thing, the Sierra Nevada Zoological Park in our first segment. You know, the refuge for exotic animals right here in northern Nevada. We're going to continue that conversation, but I want to bring in the expert in the real estate world of how this deal has come together because there is real estate involved. Steve Higgs is the director. Steve, how big is the park size-wise? It's about five acres. Five acres, okay. And it is really in a bustling growing of Reno, Nevada. A lot of growth up there, a lot of people putting in houses, uh, storage facilities. Uh, The road in 395 goes north and south. So it's a very desirable hunk of land. And our our property is commercial. Okay. So it sits right on... uh, Old Virginia. So because of that, it's really sought after. We've had many people knock on our door wanting to purchase the property. Yeah. So it's uh, been one of those things that that's because of the thriving business community out there building all these warehouses and everything else. In fact, they're really working on building a whole bunch of new stuff right up above us. And so the property has been really one of those things that's been sought after on a large scale. Sherry Hill, I mean, you can attest to it because you lived in that area. That is a very desirable piece of land. Well, yeah. When I lived out there, there was barely cold springs, and certainly none of what you see off 395 to the right of the freeway. And I had six and a half acres out there, and I thought I was out in the middle of nowhere. Right. And now it's like massive subdivision and, to me, overgrowth personally, but Regardless, you know, that's, we have, that's my opinion. Yeah, yes. we have, and we have still the zoological park there as everything is bringing in and getting close to it. Steve, tell us how did the property come into your uh, care? How, does, how did it get to you? 
Well, for 40 years, we were in Portland area. And what happened was uh, we got a call from the gentlemen that owned the property. And they were really, really anxious about the fact that they didn't have any staff that could take care of the property, take care of the animals uh, with knowledge. And so they talked us into going ahead and coming there with the idea that we would have the property, the board would have the property, the animals would own the property. And when we got there, we we found it was a pretty good piece of property, although it needed major work. Uh, we were fine with that. We brought uh, a total of, I think, 17 to 20, uh, 26-foot truck loads of stuff there for caging and all kinds of other equipment to take care of the animals, plus about 10 big horse trailer loads of animals, the tigers, the lions, and everything else, most of the animals that are there now, and brought all this in with the idea that this would be a forever home for them and for us, mm-hmm. and that we could continue to do what we do best, and that is rescue animals. Well, let me ask you now, how how was that deal structured? Was it structured as a lease? Was it given to the organization? How did that work? It was supposed to be given to the organization. Uh, I, I never liked it when something started with supposed to. Yes, that was the whole thing. We weren't there more than, oh, a few months. And then what happened, the last individual that, that was one of the owners, he died. Before he died, his mate talked him into going ahead and signing the property over to him. Okay. And so what happened then was he came knocking at the door saying, hey, you're going to have to pay this kind of money each month. And... Uh, you have to keep this up, and you got so much time. And then after that time is up, then you either pay off the amount that's, that I want, or you guys need to leave and take all the animals with you. Oh, my. Wow. So that time has come. Uh, in December, we have to come up with $400,000 to go ahead and clear the, the debt on the property that he has created. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we... First talked to him, it was three hundred thousand, and then went from three hundred thousand to four hundred thousand because he found out what the property potentially was worth, and then he was going to raise it even more. But we put our foot down on it, and we were in a position where we needed legal help, but we didn't have an attorney that would pro bono us and help us figure out what's going on and what was right about this. He even came up with a forty thousand dollar debt that he said that was owed to his past partner, and that we had to start paying on that too, even though it was many, many years past. And according to all the board members, it was paid off twice. So uh, not only did we find ourselves in a position where we were about to lose the property, uh, we also was in a position now also for another big debt. Um, and that was a real problem, of course, because ever since December... We've been open probably five days all through December, January, and February, and now we're into March because of the weather that we've had. And so so essentially, you are, you are on a timeline right now from we now are. to the end of the year. So again, did you find, I, I just want to ask you, do you have representation now uh, from an attorney on this process? No, we don't. We, right, let me ask you another question. Do you have a real estate professional, anybody in the real estate world helping you with this transaction? No. Okay, let me ask Sherry Hill. Sherry, you've got the story up to this point. Well, I always go back to what did the original documentation say? So, you know, that I, I would look at what did you guys agree to and sign to and was it documented? Because that's what an attorney would be asking for anyway. I mean, at this point, 
Uh, is this guy going to force foreclosure? What's he going to do? Because it's going to cost him money to do all of that too. So he he's not too concerned because he also got another huge big piece of property that was uh, from his mate, and so he he's probably in a good position financially. And yes, he's going to push whatever he can push to uh, make it so that he can then take over the property. Um, we unfortunately didn't get anything in writing or verbally and recorded. Uh, all we have is the information from the former board members and everything that were that were there at the time and prior to us getting there as well, who knew about the situation and what was going on. So if you guys walked and left all the animals on the property, what would this guy do? He would probably have them euthanized. Mm. Yes, he... He has no love for the animals. He doesn't ever come out to see them. Uh, at one point, he helped take care of them, but he has no interest in any way. He does not care. All he wants, all he sees is dollar signs. Mm. And even though the animals are in really good shape and they're they're doing well, there's not a lot of places like us that are able to take those kind of animals in. The lions are are something that would be very easy to place. Everybody wants them because they are so few of them. And we have a male, and everybody wants our male. Uh, the tigers, there's so many tigers out there because of a few other people that were raising them in mass. And so they would be a hard hard animal to place, as well as the a lot of the smaller cats and stuff like that, the baboons and the monkeys. And because of the special licensing you have to have uh, with not only USDA, but also local as well. Those animals would suffer if anything tragic like that happened, <clears throat> Stephen Sherry. But, uh, you know, the, the the questions keep coming up. Do we have things documented? For instance, let me ask you, the offer of, we say it's $400,000 now, is that written on paper? Is there a signed offer, a signed letter of acknowledgement or agreement that this is going to happen? I mean, what if you were ready and does the seller have an option to change things between now and December? That is a good question. I, I don't believe that we have... I've got a, re, a recording on our phone with him saying that, yeah, I know the original offer was 350000 but now I want 400000 And he acknowledged that. And he did this in front of our board. And so we have a lot of people that were there listening to him tell us all this stuff. So, Sherry Hill, what do you think? How should this be done properly? I mean, there was an original understood agreement back when they loaded everything up four years ago, came down here with the premise and the understanding that they were supposed to end up with that piece of real estate. Mm -hmm. So somewhere, somewhere along the line, four years ago, five years ago, when you guys made this decision to come here, there must have been something that you guys agreed to, signed, recognized. Well, uh, let me just say that the Sierra Safari Zoo, if I'm looking at the website here, it was established in August of 1982. Yes. That's 41 years ago. Yeah, but that was the original Still, founders. the facility, yeah. that has been there. And we're talking about something that's it's historical in its own right. That's a long time for something to be here in existence, supported by the local community. How can it just be taken away so Abruptly, I would love to see that document, that original document, Steve Higgs, and uh, give you my viewpoint on the document. And then uh, you, you need some, yes, you need some, some guidance and some professional advice. 
somebody who's not just looking for a, uh, take on a, a job, but that really loves what you're doing. And I love it, and Sherry loves it too. The Sierra Nevada Zoological Society for Exotic Animals, abandoned uh, exotic animals essentially that need to be rescued. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to get more information, I encourage you to visit the website Sierra Nevada Zoological Park dot org. It's going to be amazing what you see out there. I've heard about so many great animals that uh, you can't see anywhere else. And take a look at the property. The Sierra Safari Zoological Park needs your help. And I encourage you to visit the park. I encourage you to visit the website. And I encourage you to help support it with a cash donation. Talk to Steve Higgs. He'll give you all the information. Sherry Hill, I'd like to thank you for being on the show. Any final thoughts about our project today? You know, you have grounds too. And so... It, uh, it would be important to preserve this literal gem in our community and not be just, you know, batted about like a big cat with a ball. Right. And <laughs> the only zoo in Reno right. or Nevada. Well, yes. Uh, let me just ask you real quickly. Do you bring in uh, students, the schools get involved in any, in any way to bring out tours sometimes? Yeah, we, we have schools that come out, a lot of daycares, um, a lot of high school people have come out, uh, Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts, Girl Scouts. I mean, and we, we do a lot of stuff with the elderly, elderly people in elderly homes, and we supply a lot of educational information when they come out and give a lot of good talks about the animals and answer a lot of questions that help. A great community member, Sierra Nevada Zoological Park. Steve Higgs, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having us. We'll be back with more on Nevada Real Estate Radio after this. While the kids are being cared for at Early Head Start, parents are able to maintain a job, go back to school, do whatever they need to do to support their family. Hi, my name is Miss Camilla. I work for Early Head Start. I am in the baby room. I absolutely love it. I love working with the babies. They are newborns to one-year-olds, and it's just very, very heartwarming. If you want a great job and love kids, come see us at Head Start and Early Head Start. Your Nevada Real Estate Questions with answers from Peter Padilla. You're tuned in to Nevada Real Estate Radio. I want to thank our listeners. We are in our 18th year of weekly broadcasts, helping thousands and thousands of people over the course of that time make great decisions when it comes time to buy or sell real estate or determining who you want to work with because we've had so many guests on our radio show. Many of the investors we talk to, well, they need to take that next step. They need to incorporate. That's why I always recommend they talk to Sherry Hill from Sage International. She's the wealth protection diva and has been helping real estate investors for over 30 years make those decisions. And many times it's about how you structure your real estate holdings. You want full protection on your investments and the best way to do it is to incorporate the right way. Sherry Hill will help you with that and much more. Give her a call 800-254-5779. Or visit the website, sageintl.com, and tell her that Peter sent you. With me in the studio today, Sean McDonald from Socotra Capital Hard Money Lending. Sean has been with us on the show previously. It's been a while now, Sean, but welcome back. Uh, Thanks for having me, Peter. Uh, Great to be back. And uh, it's so nice to know that uh, there is still activity, not only in the residential area, but also in the commercial area as well. I still see deals getting closed. It's kind of amazing with the way interest rates have changed over the course of the last less than a year. Sean, they've actually doubled. Isn't that amazing? 
Yes. Uh, bank interest rates have doubled. Ours have only gone up a couple of percent, which, uh-huh. is, which is nice. So yeah. Relatively speaking, we're, we're cheap now. Yeah. You're, uh, the bank interest rates are much closer to the hard money uh, lending rates. And, you know, hard money lending is kind of a misnomer because um, in some ways it's not as hard. In other ways, it's because people are having a hard time getting a conventional or a bank loan. Let our listeners know just a little bit about how the business of Socotra Capital works. Yeah, so we function very similarly to an institutional bank, a Bank of America, Wells Fargo, something like that. The big guys, yeah. The big guys, yeah. Uh, we go through title and escrow. We have loan docs. We have a deed of trust, just like a normal or standard loan would. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we our underwriting standards are much lower. Uh, for us, it's equity-based, so it's all about the property. Yep. Uh, it's all about the deal. If it's a fix and flip or something like that, we look at it and say, well, does this thing make sense? Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll partner with this investor essentially and lend them the money to, to do the project. So it, it's much more of a common sense underwriting rather than uh, it has to fit in these certain criteria to go get sold on Wall Street. Yeah, so you know when you look at residential home financing, there are a lot of standard compliance issues across the board that have to take place, and sometimes it really eliminates many people from the opportunity to buy. And then you move into the investment side, and those guidelines on the conventional home, if you're looking to buy one property, uh, those are even tougher sometimes. And uh, that's where people have issues and they need other sources of lending. Sometimes it's a timing issue. Tell us how timing can impact a traditional deal on an investment property and how Socotra comes to the rescue, essentially. Yeah, so we can close quick. I actually closed a deal. Uh, it's, it's been a while now, maybe nine months ago. We closed a deal from the time the broker called me to the time we wired our funds was less than 48 hours. Wow. They had the entire package together. They had all the title work done. They had an appraisal in hand. They had everything. So all we had to do was review the file and say, yes, this is a deal we want to do, and then send the wire. So it, it, it can happen that quickly. And that's a situation we're seeing right now where other lenders are, are changing their parameters, tightening up their standards. People are coming to us at the 11th hour and saying, I'm going to lose my uh, earnest money deposit. Can you please help me out? Mm-hmm. And we're able to close quickly. 48 hours is probably not the standard, but uh, seven days is, is pretty easy. Seven days is still pretty fast. You look at typical bank financing, uh, a, a quick turnaround is 30 days. Sometimes it takes longer because there are so many more steps and processes involved and, and really more people involved, it seems like. Uh, when I talk to the residential or commercial lenders in the area, Sean, you know, they, they have to have a team in order to make things happen because you have one person taking care of the all the uh, underwriting issues and the compliance issues and somebody else is taking care of the applications and the verifications and then, of course, you have the traditional inspections, appraisals, etc. Um, it takes a lot of people to make that happen. Hard money lending is about speed. That's really what it's about more than anything, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We're we're more of a sports car than a semi truck. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong, we have I have a team behind me, um, but we all operate under that common sense 
guideline. Does does it make sense for us to do the loan? If it does, we're we're going to do everything in our power to to move it forward as quickly as possible and to close as quickly as possible. So, Sean, when we're talking about hard money lending uh, from Socotra Capital, from any other hard money lending, that is specifically for investors. Correct. Yes, we can only lend on investment purpose. So. Uh, fix and flips, buy a rental, buying in a short-term rental Airbnb type of property, uh, commercial properties. We can do owner-user commercial properties. So sometimes people think, you know, since they're going to occupy it, we can't. But that's for a business purpose, right? You're moving your business into the space. Mm -hmm. We can lend there. Um, The Dodd-Frank Act regulated us completely out of doing consumer loans. So the the standard, you know, buy your dream home to live in uh, is a consumer loan by mm-hmm. definition, and that is something we just cannot touch. But if somebody is working on buying their first investment property, let's say a rental house, and they're having issues at the closing table or they can't quite get all the financing together on time, even though it's a residential home that somebody's going to move, move into, a renter's going to move into, the buyer, the investor – can they still work with you if they need a hard money loan to get that deal closed? Yes, absolutely. That's a very common scenario for us. You know, they they live in a nice house in South Reno and they want to buy a, a couple of single family rentals because they're comfortable with that product. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't want a big multifamily. They just want some, some homes that they can go and rent out. Yeah. That's 100% something we can help with. Yeah. So it's really, again, you mentioned it's not about the property type so much as it is how the property is going to be titled, investment property or primary residence. Once it's going to be titled as investment property, that's when you can potentially help our our buyers and sellers. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, in Nevada, we're, we're we have a presence here. Obviously, we're we're fully licensed, so we can do both commercial and residential. Uh, we do lend in a few states where we don't have a physical presence, where we're only allowed to lend on commercially mm-hmm. zoned properties. Yeah. But in Nevada, doesn't matter the zoning as long as the property is going to be used for some sort of business purpose, and that business purpose is a pretty broad term. If, if you're gonna make money or are attempting to make money on this deal we can make it work. So uh, last week on our radio show, we had two guests that we really enjoyed having. We had a great conversation. Sam Britt from iServe Mortgage, primarily a residential mortgage lender, and also Tammy Dittman from Silver Sage Realty in Fernley. And Tammy and I were talking with Sam about how a lot of people are looking to the future and some of the ways that they think about buying investment property isn't so much to buy a strip mall or rental property, it's actually just to start with raw land. So tell me, can we work with raw land if it's being purchased for an investment, if there's a need for hard money? Yes. Uh, we, we're seeing a fair amount of requests for land right now. Mm-hmm. Our preference is an infill lot, so a house, then a lot, then another house. You know, type So you of, can kind of tell what's going to happen next? Yeah, yeah. Those, those that land's a little more stable, right? You start getting into desert acreage and they're, it's very volatile. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get into a downturn and it, nobody wants it. So it, mm-hmm. we, we say land, raw, like raw, raw land like that can go to zero. Right. While it's not actually zero, it'll just take you a really long time to sell. Um, and so it's essentially zero. So we can lend on land. Um, 
you cannot intend to build your dream home on it, though, in the future. So if you want to buy it to even just land bank it and say, hey, this this is the path of growth. I know somebody's going to want to buy this thing from me in 10 years. Mm -hmm. That works. If you want to build a house on it to then sell, that works. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, whatever it is, as long as you're you don't drive up to that plot and say, oh, man, this will this is where I want to put my kitchen window. I'm going to live here the rest of my life. That I can't do. And no, but if uh, you have, a, let's say, a 10-acre parcel and you're thinking, gee, I could put 10 manufactured homes on this property and they would be great rentals that I could generate some cash flow on, uh, that would be a good scenario. Yes, absolutely. And I should point out, we get a lot of those requests for uh, bridge loans on land, so shorter term, 12, 18 months, yeah. because people need time to get the property entitled, right? Mm-hmm. You, there may be that 10-acre parcel, but maybe it's not entitled for the 10 manufactured homes. Right. So you don't want to go and get a construction loan where you're paying more, paying on a higher balance Take to, you can take our money for short term while you're getting all your entitlements and everything squared away. Very nice. I have more questions for you, Sean, but we have to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about the ratios that we need when we're talking to somebody like yourself about a hard money lending situation. I know that in the real estate, residential real estate world, you can finance a home for as little as 3.5% down, 5% down. Uh, average is 10 to 20% down. I know there are differences with hard money lending. We'll talk about that after this quick message. If you love teaching and want to make a difference in the lives of our young children, become a teacher at Community Services Agency Head Start or Early Head Start programs. Hi, my name is Alyssa. I am new to Community Services Agency of Reno. I have a great teaching career at Head Start and Early Head Start, and I just absolutely love working here. Call 775-786- 6023 or visit the website csareno.org. If you want the best tax and legal secrets used by successful real estate investors today, contact Sherry Hill, the wealth protection diva at Sage International Incorporated, a local company that's been helping new as well as seasoned real estate investors for over 20 years protect their hard-earned wealth today. To schedule a free 30-minute consultation with Sherry, Call 775-786-5515. That's 775-786-5515 to strategize with the Wealth Protection Diva today. Call Sage International. Today in the studio, I have Sean McDonald. Sean is a lender at Socotra Capital. And we're talking about lending for very specific purposes, real estate investments. And that includes land, if it's going to be used for the right purpose, and other types of structures, maybe um, uh, uh, rental homes that you're wanting to purchase. Maybe it is a strip mall or a part of a strip mall or other type of business. Uh, Sean, tell me, what are some of the most unusual kinds of deals that you've done when it comes to the type of business? When it comes to the type of – well, we lend on cannabis properties. Cannabis properties, okay. That's very different than yeah. most people would want to get involved with. Yeah, so um, we lend on the real estate itself, not mm-hmm. the not the ongoing cannabis business. Right. Uh, and we essentially treat it very similarly to all of our other products. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just m- comfortable with the tenant or the ownership. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that we do in Nevada that sets us apart from a lot of others. There are not very many uh, in Nevada that are lending on those properties. Yeah. And uh, we were talking a little bit about the ratios when it comes to 
working with a hard money lender, working with Socotra Capital. When you're looking to get traditional financing from a bank to or purchase a primary residence, uh, the minimum investment for many of the buyers can be as little as zero for a VA loan, 3.5% or so for an FHA mortgage, 10%, maybe up to 20% for a conventional mortgage. What's the deal like when we talk about hard money loans? What kind of percentage, what kind of ratio does the buyer have to bring to the table? I'd say to be safe, at least 40%. Mm-hmm. Um, because we are only looking at the asset and the equity, we really want to make sure that that part is robust. Yeah. So we're generally capped around 60% loan to value. Mm-hmm. Fix and flips or value add plays where somebody's going to do some rehab, we can do 75% of project cost, so mm-hmm. purchase price plus rehab, mm-hmm. and then not to exceed 60% of the as-completed value. So mm-hmm. that formula is a little a little more in-depth, but generally speaking, you're going to need 40% down, 45 with closing costs and stuff like that. I know a lot of investors that don't have an issue with putting down 20, 30, even up to 50% on a deal, but a lot of times their challenge is not that they don't have the money, it's that they don't have it liquid. A lot of people have other investments that they've got their money tied up in. Some people have it tied up in the stock market. Maybe they've still got some Bitcoin left if if there's any value there. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of ways that people diversify their investments. And sometimes it it means that you really can't get your money out in a matter of days like you can at a passbook savings account. It makes more sense to put a little timing to the effort. But when it comes to real estate opportunities – Sometimes they just pop up. Sometimes a deal just comes up, and you want to jump all over it, but you know you can't because you can't liquidate your assets or enough assets quickly enough. Is that a typical scenario or a similar scenario that you've heard of? Yeah, it is, and I'm glad you brought that up because we can do cross-collateralization. So we can, if you're buying a home but you own another rental home, Mm -hmm. we can put a first position loan on the home you're buying and then a second position loan on the home you already have to kind of bump up the ratio a little bit. It's far from an exact science at that point because, you know, there's going to be – you typically going to be debt on that home that you already own. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, I always say it's more of an art than a science when yeah. we start doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, absolutely. We do a lot of cross collateralization, portfolio type of loans where we're really trying to squeeze that extra few percentage out. And in that scenario, let's say you own, you're buying a home that's identical to the home you already own. And the home you already own is free and clear. You have no liens on mm-hmm. it, no no debt. We can give you a 100% loan because we can cross both properties and essentially do a 50% loan on property A and a 50% loan on property B, and now you've got all the cash you need to buy that home. That's pretty amazing. But in this case, however, both properties have to be investment properties, correct? The one home that you own free and clear, it cannot be your primary residence, or or can it? Uh, it actually can. I'd rather not get lost in the weeds there because now we're getting real artful. Um, but yeah, so the the primary residence thing 
we really, really do like to stay away from it. But if the cash out from your primary is going to be used for a business purpose, mm-hmm. um, we can we can get it done. That, oh. that, that's an that's an okay use of funds. Well, that's um, interesting. But we do we do dig down on that quite a bit because mm-hmm. it's yeah we have to make certain of that. So we're talking about scenarios where you're looking to purchase investment property, but what if you have a situation, Sean, where you've got let's say uh, half a mil equity on a million dollar property, investment property, and you want to buy another investment property, but again, uh, you don't have the capacity. So you might think, well, maybe if I just do some work on my existing property, ex- you know, expand it to some degree, maybe add another wing or loading dock, uh, but that's going to take cash too. Can you help somebody out with that kind of situation? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We could do a refinance of that property to give you the cash out to make the improvements, whatever they may be. Um, We can absolutely do that. And one thing I should touch on is with the cash to close uh, scenario, Mm -hmm. we don't um, we don't we don't have a seasoning requirement. So you can if you are a little bit short and you've got a buddy you can borrow the money from, that's fine too. Mm. We don't we do not require uh it to be seasoned and sitting in your bank account and all that. And that is totally contrary to what a bank loan would give you on a primary residence. I know as a former mortgage lender that any cash that you're bringing to the table, you have to document where that cash came from, how long you've had that cash. I know that the institutional banks, in fact, they ask for 90 days' worth of bank statements. They want to see that that cash was in there at least for that amount of time. And the old days of coming to the closing table with cash in a briefcase, that's over. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, God forbid you hit a royal flush and put a couple grand in the bank account. I got lucky. No, you cannot, sir. You cannot use that money to buy. Well, that's what an institutional bank would say. But I'm glad to know that that flexibility exists there because – that's one of the big differences between institutional lending and primary residence lending. So let me ask you something else. I had a lot of experience with people who wanted to buy primary residence, but they could not get financing, bank financing, because they were not U.S. citizens. They had not completed that process yet. And they maybe have lived in the U.S. for years and years. Maybe they're working with somebody, a family member that is a full-time resident of the U.S., but because they're not, they could not participate on the lending side. They could not be a signer. What is the situation with hard money lending when it comes to that? Yeah, we can absolutely lend to foreign nationals. The only two requirements we have there is that they have a I-10 number, which you can apply for and get sure. in minutes, um, and a U.S. bank account. Because mm-hmm. uh, we want the money. It, if we're doing a cash out refinance, we want to put the money into a U.S. bank account. Right. If w- they're going to be making payments, hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, of our loan, mm-hmm. we want that money to go through the U.S. bank account as well. There's a lot of you know w- uh, money laundering, wire fraud things that we have to check off there. Sure. But mm-hmm. uh, we're we're totally comfortable lending to foreign nationals. We've we've done quite a few of those loans. I mean, Las Vegas has a lot of international money coming in, so we see sure. it down there quite a bit. So speaking of Las Vegas, uh, Socotra Capital is not just here in northern Nevada. Tell us how big, how wide can somebody look at doing a deal with Socotra Capital? Pretty wide. 
the front page of our website has a has an up to date map. So if I misquote here, but we're in about twenty six states. Mm. We're pretty much everywhere but the Midwest and the Northeast. We actually have a lot of loans in Texas, Arizona, uh, Georgia. Uh, I recently closed one in Hawaii, which was a little feather in the cap. I didn't get to go do the site visit, though. They oh, I would have insisted personally that I must be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm looking at one in Alaska now. Mm-hmm. So we're we're pretty broad-reaching. Um, the When we start getting outside of California and Nevada, we stick to – Major metros, you know, we don't want to go in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. uh, in a market that we're not close to. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we're in about 25, 26 states, something like that. Sean McDonald is my guest. Sean is a hard money lender from Socotra Capital. And hard money lending is uh, not the wild, wild west. In fact, Sean, I understand that the government regulations, the Dodd-Frank Act, the compliance issues that we hear about, see – Often, when we're talking about primary residence purchases, primary residence financing, many of those issues that they have to contend with, they are, in fact, part of the lending process with Socotra Capital. And essentially, there is a fair amount of government and protection for consumers, even in this world of lending. Is that correct? 100%. Yeah, we're we're regulated probably as much as institutional lenders are. Mm-hmm. Um, we started in California in about 2008, and then um, I helped open the office here in Nevada in like 2013-14. Mm-hmm. It took us over a year to get licensed, I mm-hmm. think. Um, so Nevada is uh, one of the harder states in the union to get licensed in. You have to have a brick and mortar. Uh, I have to do continuing education every year. Uh, they they stop by the office and make sure that I'm there from time to time. So mm-hmm. uh, we are heavily regulated, uh, which is why we can't do primary residences. And they also know that the uh, cashed close requirements at the table uh, are a lot different for hard money lending than they are for primary residents. And maybe that's the reason, Sean, because when you were talking earlier, you said you'd like to see in some cases 50% equity, which sounds unattainable for a primary residence. But when you're getting into the world of investment, let's face it, investors, what they do is they save cash or cash equivalents so that they can continue to invest. And I know many investors that think 40% equity that we have to come in with is not bad because you look at the great opportunity. And that's the trade-off, isn't it? You have more Skin in the game, but you have so much more opportunity. Yes, that is the trade-off. And uh, hard money lenders get a bad rap for being very expensive. And relatively speaking, as we touched on earlier, we're not that expensive um, anymore. And we're certainly cheaper than an equity partner, right? So if you need to bring in a partner that's going to take half your profit, I'm Mm -hmm. not going to take half your profit. So. No, no, we can pay you off, can't we? That's right. Yeah, you can. No prepayment penalties on most of our stuff. So you know, you you get your project done, you sell, you get me out of there, and you're not paying me anymore at all. A lot of uh, people they think that maybe sometimes, well, I'll just get a family member, my uncle, a brother, a sister, dad, mom will loan me some money, and 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 away you go. But I was talking with my lovely wife Sherry Hill today, and she deals with a lot of real estate investors all across the country. And sometimes those deals look like they're pretty workable until a little bit of time passes. And, you know, after a year or two years and you're into a deal with a close friend or a family member, and then 
life happens, and then you have to make decisions based not only on what's best for the business, but for that relationship to continue. And that causes a lot of people, she said, to make bad business decisions because they think it's a good relationship decision. And she said to me, Peter, one of the worst things you can do is go into business with a family member. Yes. Yeah. That's actually our request we get a lot is uh, I've owned this house with my sister. I need to buy her out. Yeah. <laughs> we all hear that. <laughs> so we, we get that request a lot. And that's a common, you know, if, if that home is a rental house that you own with your sister, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's something we can help with and we can close yeah. quick. And, you know, by by Christmas dinner, everybody's got their money back and you guys are you friends move again. Over, yeah? <laughs> yeah. That is a great, great recommendation because, um, one, you want to in- avoid doing a business deal with a close friend or a family member because – you don't want to have to deal with that emotional aspect down the road. But like you say, Sean, you can actually help people get out of that kind of relationship and turn the business into a real business without those emotional attachments or connections from family members or close friends that really cloud your decision-making process. Uh, I know in my world I have come from a big, big family, and my big family has never done business deals together. And I know why, because I think way back, the first two siblings tried to do a deal, and they realized it wasn't a good deal because not only do you have the two siblings, but you have their spouses and their children and their friends, yeah. and everybody loves to give advice. It seems like the world is full of experts. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, <laughs> the world is full of experts. And the less you ask for advice, the more you get it. It feels to me like people are kind of headed east, you know, mm-hmm. Fernley Fallon kind of filling in out there as yep. they're priced out of Reno Sparks, mm-hmm. Carson City markets. I'd like to say follow the money, but nowadays you can say follow the Californians. There you go. Kind of the same thing, isn't it? <laughs> there you go. Sean, it's been great to have you as our guest today. I got more questions. I know our listeners do too. So the best way to do that, I know, is to reach out to you one more time if somebody wants to do that. Yeah, seven seven five four two zero four nine nine zero is uh, my direct number, and yeah, you can reach me there all the time. All right, and we'll put all of your contact information on our website, Nevada Real Estate Radio dot com. We'll make it easy for people to find you. All they have to do is click on the podcast, and all the details are there. And you'll be able to hear all of the show in case you miss any part of it. Thanks again for being here. Thank you. We're on the air again next week. Same time, same station. Tell your friends, your family, your business associates about the radio show too. And then maybe they can make a great deal when it comes time to buy or sell investment real estate. Until then, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. everybody. You have been listening to Nevada Real Estate Radio with Peter Padilla. We value your listenership and appreciate your feedback. Want to talk with Peter? NevadaRealEstateRadio.com. Natakwa. Natakwa News, the original, entertaining, informative, and historic publication. Natakwa News is a community newspaper with good news, history, travel, and fun. Natakwa News is delivered to the north slopes of the Sierra Nevada throughout Nevada and California. It's a delight experience of yesteryear. The articles are outstanding, and the illustrations bring the stories to life. Fun for all ages. Natakwa News. Pick up your copy today. Natakwa. 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 Natakwa.